0: Hi Church, I'm Lizzie. Today's Bible reading comes from Psalm 46. For the Director of Music of the Sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and fawn and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war seeds to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: It's good to be with you again today. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, we come to your word today humbly, asking you would speak to us, expectantly and eagerly anticipating what you're going to teach us. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, take your word, implant it deeply in our hearts and minds. Speak, Lord, because we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. God is enough. Whatever happens in life, God is enough. Whatever trials or tragedies, traumas or troubles you go through, God really is enough. Now, I don't say that flippantly. I don't want to minimize your pain or your sadness. I don't want to sweep brokenness under the carpet. But in the midst of all those emotions, God must be enough. Elizabeth Elliot was a lady who believed God was enough. Uh, she was married to Jim, and together they went on a mission field to Ecuador to translate the New Testament and to teach the Alka Indian people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, they were kind and loving and patient and compassionate and prayerful, but one day the tribes attacked and Jim was killed together with four other missionaries. And Elizabeth Elliot was left as a 27-year-old widow with a 10-month-old daughter. And she describes her agony, her despair, her desperation. But she says God is enough. Listen to these words. The Lord has closed our hearts to grief and hysteria and filled it with his perfect peace. Where does your security lie? Is God your refuge, your hiding place, your stronghold, your shepherd, your counsellor, your friend, your redeemer, your saviour, your guide? If he is... You don't need to search any further for your security. Wow. It's not just God being her security. When you read her books, uh, Elizabeth Elliot has has this great massive view of God. Her God is big and awe-inspiring. Now her God is powerful, not puny. Her God is majestic, not minuscule. Her God is omnipotent, omniscient. He is ruling, he is reigning, he is victorious, he is triumphant. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lord Almighty. See, when you've got a big view of God, God will be enough. Friends, if your your view of God is small and safe and weak and wimpish, when the first sign of troubles come, you will run a million miles away from God. But if you've got this big, awe-inspiring view of God, he will be enough. Whatever happens in life, God is enough. That is Psalm 46 in one sentence. This is a great psalm of triumph and confidence. It's a psalm that you will sing again and again, especially in dark days. It was Martin Luther's favourite psalm. From this psalm, he wrote the hymn, A mighty fortress is our God. It was actually my school hymn. strange, I didn't go to a Christian school, I wasn't a Christian. It's almost as like though God was whispering through this psalm, I am enough. God is enough even in times of trouble. Look at verse 1. God is our strength and our refuge, an ever-present help in trouble. That word trouble in verse 1, he's not talking about a mild irritations or disappointments or inconvenience. He's talking about troubles, deep troubles, deep despair. What happens when your, your world is falling apart? Because friends, all of us go through times of real trouble. Christians are not immune from suffering. We're not immune from sadness and cancer and divorce and disease and depression Anything that can happen to anybody can happen to any Christian. Read your Bibles. The the chief end of mankind is not to live a trouble-free life. It's to glorify God, to say God is enough. Let me ask you, where do you run to in times of trouble? Because that will tell me what you believe about your God. When I find myself in times of trouble... I hope it's not Mother Mary runs to me speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I hope you don't say, I can fix it, I am strong enough, I am big enough, I am mighty enough. I hope you don't curl up in a ball and say, I've had enough. I hope you run to God and flee to God and say, God is enough. Now, why is God enough? Well, verse 1 tells you, a verse was like the newspaper headline, the, the foundational statement. Look at it with me. God is our refuge and God is our strength and God's an ever-present help in trouble. Extraordinary verse. Four anchors for your soul, four pillars of your faith. God is enough because he's your refuge, verse 1. He's your safe place. He's your security. He protects you. You ever been out walking when suddenly the, the heavens open and the, the rain starts and a thunderstorm comes across and it's teeming with rain. You can hear the thunder. You can see the lightning and you're running, running, running and you reach your car and you sit in your car, you slam your car door and that relief because you're safe. That's the picture here, a refuge. Verse 7, he's described as a fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's a stronghold. It's a picture of a, of a castle on a hill, and the, the armies are running and running from their enemies, and they, they're quickly drawing up the drawbridge, and they they're bolting the door, and they breathe a sigh of relief because they're safe. That's the picture. God is enough because he is a safe place to run to. God is enough because he's your strength, verse one. Notice he does not say God gives you strength. He says God wants to be your strength. Because we're told that in verse seven, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all the armies. He is the all-powerful one. He rules over all. He is strong, mighty, and powerful. So let him be your strength. A, A Scottish preacher said this, God gives me that inner strength, that super strength just to get through things and do life. That's how God, he wants to empower you. He wants to embolden you. He wants to equip you just to take the next step in times of trouble. So God is enough because he's your refuge, he's your strength. What's the next one, verse one? He's your ever-present help. Not regularly present, but ever present. He is more present than you think or realise. God is not back at HQ, sending in his troops. He comes to you. He sits with you. There is never a moment, never a a nanosecond when God is not with you. Remember the story of the, the boy who's trapped in the fire on the first floor window? His dad's on the ground floor shouting up, Jump, son, I can see you. I've got you. And the sun is shouting down, but daddy, I can't see you because of all the smoke. I don't know you're there. And dad says these words, you can't see me, but I can see you. I'm here for you. Trust me. That is our God. He is ever present. Verse seven, the Lord Almighty is with us. Same words, he is Emmanuel, the word used to describe Jesus Christ, God with us. So God is enough because he is your refuge, your strength. He's ever-present. And verse one, he's your help. He's here to help you, not hinder you. He's able to help. He's willing to help. Because I hope you've realized that sometimes people can't fix everything. But God can. Now, God never airlifts us out of trouble. But he promises in the midst of our pain, he'll be our helper. He gives exactly what we need exactly when we need it. Corrie Ten Boom talked about the time when she was terrified. And she was so scared that God would not be there for her. And then she remembered a conversation she had with her dad. Her dad said to her one day, Corrie, when we buy those train tickets, do I give you the money, what, three weeks in advance? And she said, no dad, you give me the money just at the moment when I need it to buy the ticket. Same with our God. He steps into our lives at the moment we need him as our helper. Who can he help? Anybody? Everybody? I love how God is described down in verse 7 the God of Jacob. Why does God use that? The God of Jacob? Why not the God of Abraham or the God of Israel or the God of Moses? Why not the God of a hero? See, Jacob in the Bible, he was conniving, he was deceiving, he was manipulative, he was nasty. But God even helped him. That's the point. No matter who you are, God is willing and able to help you. So those four anchors for your soul, a refuge, a strength, he's present, he's your helper. So run to him, hide in him, depend on him, lean on him. So whatever happens in your life, God is Enough. So when you know that, when you know God is enough, what does that look like for your life? Here are three implications. Because God is enough, therefore, verse verse two, therefore, here's the first implication. You have faith, not fear. Because God is enough, you have faith, not fear. Someone says this. To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust him in the darkness, that is faith. When you have nothing left but God, you realise that God really is enough. And that is verses 2 and 3. There's nothing left. Everything is collapsing. It is chaos. It is calamity. It's crisis. Look at it with me. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even though its waters are roaring and foaming and the, the mountains quake with their surging, this is terrifying. Because the earth is not supposed to split into two and the mountains are supposed to be secure and stable. They're not supposed to fall into the sea. And these waters, they're supposed to stay in the ocean. Not, not, not envelop a city like a tsunami. This is a picture of terrifying calamity. And the, the, the natural response is to be fearful. And when the earthquake hits, you run for your life. When the tsunami hits, you don't face it, you run. So, where's a safe place to run to? And the answer is uh, your God, who is your refuge and your strength. Let me ask you when the unshakable things in your life are shaken when the immovable things are moved, when life comes crashing down all around you, where do you run to? I mean, life can change in a moment, can't it? Sudden debilitating illness, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, terrifying news. What's your worst case scenario? But when your world comes crashing around, if you can say, God is my refuge, God is my strength, God is with me, God is my helper, then you will not be afraid. You will not fear. Many people in my church can testify to that. I think of Mahia, who was paralyzed from the neck down after a surfing accident. He lives with faith, not fear. I think of Eleanor, a lot of her beloved Peter, she lives with faith, not fear. I think of Tawanda and Shupi after the death of their beloved Andele. They live with faith, not fear. See, faith drives out fear. Faith and fear cannot coexist. I'll say it again. Faith and fear cannot coexist. When, fear enters the, when faith enters the room, fear leaves the room i said it many, many times, the most common command in the whole of the Bible, 365 times, one for every day of the year is what? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Faith drives out fear. See, when you say God is enough, your what-if syndrome becomes an even-if reality. It's not what-if. You're not paralysed by what if this happens and what if that happens. You say, even if this happens, even if the worst possible things happen to me, God would still be enough. That's the first implications, faith, not fear. Here's number two, is peace in your pain. Peace in your pain. Remember what Elizabeth Elliot said? The Lord has closed our hearts to grief and hysteria and filled it with his perfect peace. Or oh, Cory ten Boom says this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. That is peace. And that's the picture of verses four to six. There's a massive change in tone from Chaos to calm, from tragedy to tranquility, from, from waters that are raging to a river that is flowing. verse six there's a verse four there's a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy place where the the most high dwells. That place is called Jerusalem, the city of God where God's people went to meet with their God. God was present there in all his glory. They experienced forgiveness. They experienced peace because God's presence brings peace. It's Alexander McLaren who said this, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. Not from the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. And God's people knew that. Read your Bibles. They begged God to go with them. If you go with us, we'll have peace, they said. The Lord Almighty is with his people. Verse 5, God is within her. And so she will not fall, she will not be shaken. Verse verse 5, God will help her at the break of day. I love that, at daybreak, when we're at our weakest, when all we've done is sleep. But God steps in and his presence brings us peace. Now all around us is chaos, verse six. Nations are in uproar. They are raging like the waters of verse three. Kingdoms are falling, but God just speaks. God lifts his voice and the earth melts. There's peace in our pain. I love the story of the, the art competition where they were asked to do a picture of peace thousands of entries. In third place was that picture of the English countryside with the the green rolling hills, the beautiful stream, an oak tree with a man lying reading his book. It was so peaceful, but it didn't win. In second place was the the picture of the the young girl nursing her newborn child, so peaceful it did not win. The winner was this, a picture of, of a storm and there was rain, there was thunder, there was lightning, the waves were crashing against the rocks and you think this is chaos, it's not peace until you look closely in the picture. In the middle of the picture there's a rock, there's a crevice in the rock and in that crevice sat a little bird fast asleep at peace in the storms. That's what God promises you. In the midst of your storms you'll find true peace in him. Jesus said, come to me and find your peace. I will bring you peace. Remember when Jesus met that Samaritan woman who was exhausted from all her life trials and Jesus offered her these living waters that would satisfy her. She said, I want that. That's the picture here, this river. This river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's interesting, there was no river in Jerusalem. There was a river back at Eden, that life-giving, nourishing river. And there will be a river in the new creation flowing from the throne of grace. And friends, you can have that river today, the river of peace. He's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in you, who dwells in you, who encourages, equips, empowers you. This is what Jesus says. John 7. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Or John 14, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. And again, as a pastor, I've seen this many, many times. People sobbing and screaming, it hurts, I don't like it. But they have this inexplicable peace that passes all understanding, it's called the Holy Spirit. So because God is enough, you've got peace in your pain. And then lastly, surrender to his sovereignty. Surrender to his sovereignty. Now, you're not going to like this. I'm about to burst your bubble. I'm really sorry, Hallmark cards and Kurong Christian calendars or those kitsch Christian posters. You've got verse 10 all wrong. Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And you imagine this picture of serenity, with glassy lakes and majestic mountains and beautiful sunsets. And we hear time and time again, God is saying to us, find a quiet spot and go unplugged and just take a moment, take a deep breath and just be still. I'm really sorry. That is not what verse 10 is saying. Let me read verse 10 literally. Verse 10. God says, stop it. Stop it, shut up and know that I am God. Stop your fighting, stop your striving. You are not God, let me be God. How does that sound to you? He's saying surrender yourself to me, let me be your God. You ever met those people and as they talk you're thinking just shut up. Stop pretending that you can fix everything. Stop thinking you know everything. That's what God is saying to us here. Surrender, verse 10. Be still. Shut up and let me be God. Stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to be your own saviour. Stop trying to be everyone, everyone else's saviour. Stop fighting me and let me be God. How do you feel about that? It is liberating. Depends on your view of God. How big is your God? Look at what God has done. Verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. What has God done? He's created the universe with a word. He has rescued his people through plagues, through darkness, through death, through disease. It wasn't pleasant. He brought his people out of slavery in Egypt through the dry land. That was amazingly powerful, but he destroyed the enemies. Now, read your Bibles. God is a warrior king. Come and see the desolations. He is powerful. He is mighty. Don't mess with him. He can make war cease, he can break the bow and shatter the spear. Verse 9 and verse 10 He will be exalted. One day He will be exalted among the nations, and one day every knee will bow to the name of Jesus and every tongue confess Him as Lord. And so when you know this God, you surrender to him and you say, shut up. Let God be God. Word to believers. If you're here today claiming to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, will you let God be your God? Stop trying to solve all your own problems. Stop thinking you're in control. And let God be your refuge and your strength. God is saying, see what I have done, see what I can do, see what I will do, let me be God. Just surrender everything to me. But I'll finish with a word to the unbeliever. You might be here today and you're still fighting against God, still ignoring God, and I'm urging you to surrender now your life to Christ. See, there'll be a day of trouble for everybody I'm not talking about cancer or COVID. I'm talking about judgment day when we stand before God face to face. And if we're sheltering under the cross of Jesus and under the blood of Jesus as our refuge, we are safe on that day. But if we're not, it's a terrifying day. And so I'm pleading with you, come to Christ. Surrender your life to him. Acknowledge he is your God. He loves you. He dies for you. Just give your life to Christ. Because when you do, You experience this peace and this lack of fear. Yeah, life still has troubles, but whatever happens in life, you will find that God really is enough.